Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell, and you can always reach me on all of my socials at Chef Bry Comedy or simply by searching Surviving Empathy Podcast. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about the actual, real science behind being an empath. Yes, you guys, it is not pseudoscience. I know a lot of people judge and criticize us for being, you know, out there and whatever. But the truth of the matter is that we can arm ourselves with the facts. There is scientific evidence, groundbreaking science that is happening right now that uh, is actually uh, allowing empaths to empower themselves when uh, people are scrutinizing or judging us. We can point to this, this, and this and show them there are real reasons why some people are energetically more sensitive than others. And so that's what this show is going to be all about, is we're going to break down the, the, the components of why... Uh, some people have a greater uh, sense of uh, being an empath than others uh, and also we're going to break down how to deal with those psychic attackers out there those people who judge us those people who criticize us those people who don't always come correct you know we live in a big bad world out there and some people just don't get it and so that's what the show is going to be about i have my lovely wife rebecca and uh, we're going to break it down for you guys it's a it's, it's a pretty long show, so just remember, you don't have to listen to this show all at once. You can always break it up into segments. I only record twice a week, and that way you guys can uh, simply, you know, break it into bite-sized pieces, 30, 40 minutes a day, seven days a week, however you want to do it. Um, but that's why I do it only twice a week, is because as an empath, I have other commitments, and I also have to energetically ground and center myself so if i put myself out there too often um, then i have to energetically heal from that and so i thank you guys for allowing me to do it that way because uh i'm doing this because i really want you guys to get something from this so yeah grab a drink grab a snack this is going to be a good one we always have a great time when rebecca's here and let's begin well, welcome back, folks, to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy, and today I have my wife, my beautiful co-host, Rebecca Russell. Please say hi to the folks. Hello. So today, you guys, uh, today's episode is going to be about the science of an empath, you know, because, you know, that's the thing about being an empath that a lot of people um, are judgmental. They're very judgmental when you say you're an empath, especially when you're a dude, Oh my God, I get it all the time. And so I actually have a story I want to start off with. But, um, but what I, what this show is going to be about today, you guys, is about actual scientific evidence. Uh, there are, there, there's a growing uh, number of actual scientific things that back up the fact that people are highly sensitive to others, to vibes, to energy. You know, and so we're going to go into that a little bit, but I kind of wanted to start off by, um, you know, I'm just feeling like I, I was reeling for the past couple of days because I wrote this big, long thing on Facebook and I do that from time to time because I'm a writer, you know, and if, you know, you guys probably see it a lot, like from like Will Wheaton, any nerdy introverted people, they like to write big, long things because it, 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 you know, it comforts their soul. It's. Um, and, and I think, you know, so a friend of mine, so what happened was, is a friend of mine kind of was like trying to give me quote unquote advice, 
But in, in that advice, he was coming off very passive aggressive. I felt like I was being judged, you know? And, um, and so I said a few things back to him. I was like, okay, you know, I was trying to be gracious, you know, cause I, I like the guy. He's a nice person. Um, but I think he is coming, you know, you can, you know, when you can tell when someone's talking behind your back, when somebody's had a discussion with their partner, you could, I could yeah. fucking tell that they've had talks before about, well, what does he do besides this? Well, first of all, I don't just do the podcast. Okay. The podcast is only like 10% of the total of what I'm doing here. Um, but if to answer your question, I'm looking for a part-time job because I don't know if you noticed, but there was a fucking pandemic and I lost my job because of it. Fucker. What? I know. Crazy. Right. But, um, and look, you know, he, he'll probably hear this and go, God, dude, but the, no, he won't. Cause he doesn't support me enough. <laughs> but the, the, but the truth is, is that he was, you know, he was kind of going there, you know, getting judgmental, getting passive aggressive with me, asking me what else I do. And it's like, none of your fucking business, a, you know, but, but number two is that I'm doing comedy. I'm doing voice work. I am uh, recording a comedy album. I'm writing material for my stand-up, but the stand-up comedy clubs are closed right now, unless you live in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I'm doing all kinds of things right now in my spare time. I'm even writing a book. And so I know that, you know, when you grow up with around regular people in regular places, they don't respect and they don't understand the concept of doing this kind of work. It's illegitimate in their brains. And it's like, you know what? I work very hard on this show, you know? And there are a ton of other things I'm doing right now, you know, because when you're trying to market a brand, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get people to understand what Chef Bright comedy is so that I don't want the podcast to be everything about who I am. This is just one little part of me. And that's another thing. It's like, he's like, well, you know, you could tell he's like, why are you doing a show about empaths if you're a comedian? You know, it's like, because it's a brand. Like, I think we've got enough fucking idiots and goofballs out there making fools of themselves on Instagram. I don't need to be one of them, you know? No, absolutely. And so I'm trying to do something that I'm passionate about, something that I care about. I want to help. I want to actually help people. And I actually want to start talking about real things in this world that I think matter, you know? So anyways, to make a long story short, he's like, well, I'll call you because I'm at work right now. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. And he called and we had a good conversation. And I, listen, I don't mean any disrespect to him because I think he's a, a good guy. We share the same values. We're both veterans and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But th at the end of the day, I was feeling attacked, personally attacked. He was being judgmental. He was being rude and you know, what I think it is, is that I think, and I even admitted to him, I said, I know that sometimes big, long posts come off as, um, you, you know, narcissistic or self-indulgent, but anybody who knows me that knows that that's not who I am. That's not, I don't even have an ego. I have a lacking of ego. I have to like talk myself up to have confidence. You know, I'm not one of these people that's like, yeah, look at me, check me out. And because he's from Southern California, I think he assumes a lot of things about me, you know, like just that, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not doing your thing. And, you know, and he made sure to let me know that he's like an important big wig at his job. And I'm like, and so 
I, at the end of the day, I think what he was doing is he was surrounded by testosterone and he was feeling really plucky and, and, and confident in himself. And so he, he gets my public posts and he gets my private posts. And then when it gets annoying, then he's like, what the fuck? I, and I, I told him three months ago, turn your fucking notifications off. If you're doing that, I share some of my public content with my private audience on Facebook and sometimes I share my public, my private stuff on Facebook with my public audience if I think it's appropriate, right? Um, and I told them, turn your notifications off then because I'm not here to annoy you, you know? And whatever I'm doing over here, man, ain't hurting you, brother, you know? There's this lovely little feature on Facebook where you can just scroll on by if you don't <laughs> want to read something. Exactly, you know? And, and uh, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, they're lovely people for the most part. They're... They share our values. They they have morals and conviction. He's a hardworking guy. He's a veteran. He shares my politics. So at the end of the day, I have nothing against the guy. And I made darn sure that at the end of the day, I didn't try to get snarky with him because I was just like, I was feeling attacked. I almost told him to go fuck himself, you know. But then I was like, no, because he's a good guy. And he's just, he's trying to give like advice. Like he's like, he's saying things like, well, see, Facebook is a place where you post short things. So if you have something long, you know, go do it on a blog and then post the link to that here. If somebody wants to hear your big long rants, you know, blah, 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 you know, and he was trying to give like advice and like what, while I appreciate his advice, um, I felt like it was coming from a place of judgment. And so how can I sit there and be like, oh, okay, bro. Like, how long have you been on the radio? Oh, not at all. Then shut the fuck up. You know, and people that are like, Facebook is for this, Facebook is for that, Facebook is for whatever the fuck you want to use it for. Exactly. To write, go for it. If you want to use it for memes, go for it. Right. Whatever you want to make it. Yeah. Page, you do what you want with it. Mm. Well, and I just felt scroll on by. Well, you you know me, like I come off very confident, but I'm sensitive, and it hurt my feelings, and I was like, God, man. So. So we had a talk and it was a good talk and I, I accepted his advice. I was like, yeah, because I, you know, I'm not trying to invalidate him or his advice and I'm not trying to disrespect him as a person. I think he's a good person. I really do genuinely. But if I'm being honest, Southern California, those people down there, they're all trying to keep up with the Joneses, man. And it's like, Oh, look at us. It's like, you know, just, you don't know what it's like to live in the Pacific Northwest. You don't know what it's like to deal with, 280 days of gray and rain and you don't know what it's like to be an empath and you don't know what it's like to have depression you don't know what it's like to have anxiety so just let me have this man you know and at the end of the day i'm looking for other work i used to work believe it or not i used to have a full-time job forever okay you know it's like oh now that i'm partially disabled with fibromyalgia and uh, there's a pandemic i'm not allowed to oh i don't know you know uh transition into something else you know so i just felt very attacked by the whole thing and uh while i i i I appreciate him as a person i i respect him as a person um i'm just getting this off my chest because it really made me feel bad about myself because that's what jim the chiropractor does is he he also from california and he they have this like a i believe they feel like they have this image to uphold of manliness and B, they have this image up to uphold about, you know, how hard you work. You know, that's what the whole Fox News culture is about. Like, 
Well, I do this and I work hard and blah, 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 blah. It's like, good for you. I used to work fucking 50, 60 hours a week as a chef and I'm a veteran and I'm a former EMT. It's not like I haven't worked before, you know, but this is a different time in my life and we're dealing with very unprecedented times. And I believe that, you know, like, when have you ever heard me talk about others in the negative? When have you ever heard me judge somebody for not working enough? When have you ever judged... When have I ever judged someone for being, you know, lazy or not having the right job or not trying hard enough? I don't give a shit. That's your life. No, that's, yeah. You know, what people do what they're doing and well, people just don't understand things that are unconventional. Right. Exactly right. And the thing is, is that he doesn't understand that the podcast is a part of branding. This is 10% of it. The other 90% is writing material for my stand-up comedy, writing material for my uh, stand-up comedy album, uh, writing books, doing voiceover and voice work, which I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm making connections. I'm There's a lot of networking involved. There's a lot of self-promotion involved. There, it's a big world out there, and it takes time, you know? And so I just, I just felt personally attacked, and I just wanted to bring it up because it really made me feel... Exactly the way my friend, my best friend makes me feel, which is invalid. Like I'm not a man anymore. You know, it's like what? So because I have a penis, I have to fucking grunt and, you know, holler like a, you know, I have to act like that, that fucking uh, right wing shaman guy. I got to have wear bullhorns and face paint (laughs) and grease paint to fucking be manly or something. Shit. You know? Yeah. So... I don't know, but you know, and I, I hope he doesn't hear this and get mad because the truth is, is that I like the guy. I respect them both. They're good to animals. They take in animals. They're, they're nice people. And at the end of the day, I have nothing against him as a person, but I felt like he was being passive aggressive and he was um, getting annoyed with me. It's like, dude, if you don't want to read it, then don't fucking read it. And so afterward, what I did is I, um, I wrote another big, long thing. Kind of in spite of him. <laughs> um, and, and I kind of wrote this and this and this. And I was explaining, this is what I was trying to say. Is that, you guys, Facebook algorithm sucks. And when you've been to Facebook jail as many times as me for talking shit, um, it devalues your the algorithm and then people don't see you. And so what I was saying is, is that if you guys support me, you support the podcast... I'm so tired of fakers. They say they're there for you. They say they're excited for you. They want to help. And then two, three months later, they don't do anything. They don't even come by to say hello. And so I'm just saying, if you guys really care about the podcast, if you really care about me as a person, then I don't expect you guys to like, you know, pay a bunch of money out or do something above and beyond, but Simply stay in touch with me that the Facebook algorithm sucks and you're not seeing my content. And so just simply interact with me to ask me how I'm doing. That's moral support. And I need that right now because the truth is, is ever since I moved to Oregon, all my friends are down there and the weather sucks and I feel alone and I feel discouraged. And so occasionally it would just be nice that uh, people weren't selfish cunts all the time. Ooh, I said it. And just fucking be nice, behave. I mean, you know, that's what Rebecca and I try to do is we try to espouse good homespun values. Be a good person, you know, respect others, respect their right to exist, 
if they're having a bad day, don't judge them. You know, sure, there's times when people are a little bit too much for me, but I ignore it because they're going through something. And I just feel like I'm doing so much positive work here. Why on earth do I just get so much scrutiny from people, especially dudes? Like, fuck, dude, you know, no offense, but I could probably kick your ass. Like, just because I'm sensitive and that's the part of me that I choose to accentuate doesn't mean that I'm not a veteran. And I got good cardio, man. I can run seven miles, dude. I do it all the time. You know, you might be stronger than me, but guess what? You're going to tuck her out and I'm going to keep pounding your face in. Oh, okay, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. And of course, I'm kidding. I would never do that. Um, I'm just venting because it hurt my feelings, you know? People, people, man. It's like sometimes, like when people say something, and I'm just like white people, and then you get in trouble on Facebook because you said white people, like yeah. because now it's a hate crime. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I'm white, guys. Jeez. Uh, anyways, but uh, that's 15 minutes of the show eating up. Let's get to the show, you guys. You know, the truth is, is that I really like this guy, and it hurt my feelings, but I was able to. Uh, explain to him what I'm doing, what this is all about, and how important this is to me. We live in weird times, and we have to we have to address these issues because if we don't, um, progress only happens when we care enough to fight. You know, and I don't expect everybody to you know get out their bullhorn and go out there and start protesting. But hey, if you want to do that, great. I'm just saying though that. You get to the point in your life where you start caring enough to start taking action. And this is what I'm doing. This is my action. This is to help people with mental health problems. This is to help people who feel like nerds and squares and misfits and introverts and creative types. You know, it's 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 here to help people feel good about themselves. And it matters to me, you know. Yeah. And I'm doing all kinds of shit, you know, like... People have no idea the amount of other things that I'm doing. It's it's actually quite overwhelming. I have to take it in bite-sized pieces. So, anyways, it's just, you know, getting that off my chest. Um, I respect him as a person. I sincerely do. Um, but I just, it really reminded me of why my best friend and I had a falling out, you know? Because people don't have the right to judge each other like that, you know? And uh, I think men still are still trying to be like Joe Rogan, so super macho and shit. Like, man, shut the fuck up. Unless your dick's got fucking nine inch nails on it. I don't I don't want to hear it, bro. Like you, you ain't all that in a bag of chips, brother. You know, just do your thing. Stay in your lane. You know, that's what I always try to say. Stay in your lane. I try to stay in my lane. When people annoy me, I just ignore it. You know, just don't be a judgmental person. You know, we'd all be better off. So... Anyways, getting back to the show. Rebecca's falling asleep over here. <laughs> um, so so this show, you guys, it, it, thank you for indulging me on that. I, I'm just venting. It doesn't mean anything. Please don't hate me. <laughs> Please don't judge me. <laughs> um, but uh, the show, you guys, is about the science of being an empath. Because there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of... Uh, people and skeptics and cynics who, uh, you know, ridicule people who claim to be an empath. And I find that uh, it's hurtful, you know, and that's why I brought this up is because 
it hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings when others can't just simply understand that you can be a strong person. You can be an intelligent person with strength and empowerment and still talk about your sensitive feelings. And so, God, what the fuck, man? Like, are we all regressing? Are we all going back to the 1940s? We're not allowed to talk about our feelings? Like, you know, it's like my friend Craig would say, you know, feelings are for, you know, sissies, you know. Um, it's like, come on, grow up, please. Um, so anyways, yeah, the show, the show, getting back on topic. So we're going to go into a, an article that we've got several articles here to back up the science of being an empath, that there's actual tangible physical proof that being an empath is a real thing because I think we just get so much scrutiny in this world. And when you claim to be something like that, everybody thinks it's because, you know, you believe in pseudoscience or because you're you're into magical, mystical thinking and that there's, you know, that, that you're not valid and they they judge you, you know. And so that's why I brought that up, because it's all about judging. People judge each other. Um, and while I don't, you know, everybody, you can't help judging sometimes, you know, keep it to yourself, you know, um, be a good person, stay in your lane. But, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Rebecca, uh, uh set this all up with an article, uh, coming from, I want to give credit. It's from psychcentral.com. That's psychcentral.com. Go ahead, babe, and read this article. Let's set it up. Okay. And it was written by Kristen Milstead. Credit where credit is due. Exactly. So here we go. Um, do empaths exist? Many people who claim to be highly sensitive or intuitive to the emotions of others and even to feel what others feel would respond with an enthusiastic yes. The scientific studies that are often used to demonstrate that empaths exist, however, provide indirect evidence. This includes research showing the existence of mirror neurons in the brain, which are said to enable us to read and understand each other's emotions by filtering them through our own. Other studies used to explain empaths include the concept of emotional contagion, which is the idea that when people synchronize their attitudes, behaviors, and speech, they also synchronize their emotions, both consciously and unconsciously. These studies explain the existence of empathy in general. They do not explain why some people, empaths, have more of it than others. As a result, some scientists have been skeptical skeptical about whether empaths do exist and at the very least have argued that there is no evidence to support their existence beyond anecdotal descriptions of what it feels like to be one. It appears, however, that research to support the existence of empaths does potentially exist. Neuroscientist and psychologist Abigail Marsh describes in her book, The Fear Factor, how she found evidence that there is a difference in the brains of people who are highly empathetic to other and she calls them altruists. So altruists, right. So, yeah. Empaths. So, altruists is basically empaths, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was motivated, based on her personal experiences, to learn what causes people to engage in selfless acts, even when there's no benefit to themselves or when there is a cost involved. She recruited people for her studies who engaged in the most extreme selfless act that fit into this category that she could think of, donating kidneys to complete strangers, often anonymously. So to learn how they responded to the emotions of others, she measured their brain activity while showing them pictures of faces with varying emotional expressions. Compared with a control group, they were especially sensitive to fearful facial expressions. 
when they recognized fear, there was heightened activity in the amygdala in their brains. Mm -hmm. The amygdala was also 8% larger than those belonging to members of the control group. 8%, that's a lot. 8%, yes. And then uh, this kind of talks about different types of altruism, which kind of doesn't really... Okay, yeah, just skip skip around if you have to. um, Secondly, empaths and psychopaths have often been noted anecdotally as being polar opposites, mm-hmm. but she refers to the altruists in her study as anti-psychopaths because of what her findings showed. And I talk about that scale from, from mm-hmm. you know, the left part of the scale being empaths all the way to the yep. right side of the scale being yep. psychopaths so or sociopaths. She anti-empaths anti, or em- anti-psychopaths. That makes sense, yeah. Um, she also examined brains of psychopaths and found the exact opposite of what she had found for the altruists. Psychopaths were less able to recognize fear on the faces of others and less responsive to it when they did. They also had amygdala that were 18% smaller than normal. Oh, wow. So completely, yeah. completely on the opposite. 18, that's significant. So, yeah. So in other words, both the altruists and the psychopaths had abnormal brains when it came to response to the fears of others, but in opposite directions. So this appears to support the idea that they're on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to empathy, psychopaths cannot feel and react to the fear of others, while altruists or empaths feel and are moved to respond to the fear of others as if it were their own. Yeah. Wow. So that was yeah. very interesting. The actual part of the brain yeah. does show that big of a difference. Right. And that's exactly why I wanted to do this show, because there's so many cynics out there and skeptics out there who believe that. It's all a bunch of pseudoscience, especially when you pair it with the paranormal. It's like, oh, these guys are just a bunch of fruit balls. You know, it's like, no, no, there's real stuff here. And and when you're an empath, you're trying to get other people to understand how sensitive you are to vibes, how sensitive you are to the energy around you. And that can be energy of people around you. That can be the energy of society. That's why I have to close my windows on a Monday morning because I can sense people's anxiety. You know, you know, and, and I've tried very hard to try to isolate the difference between my feelings of anxiety, you know, and, and, and what I'm sensing, uh, you know, externally. And, um, yeah, over time you begin to get pretty good at understanding it and, and understanding how to isolate the, the difference between the two. Um, and also learning ways of, uh, blocking and filtering and things like that and so um so yeah good job babe um yeah so so that's just to reiterate i've got an article here uh this talks about uh uh the book the empath survival guide which i own it's a really good book uh and uh she talks about the science uh so let me just read this here um, in my book, The Empath Survival Guide, I discuss the following intriguing scientific explanations of empathy and empaths. These will help us more deeply understand the power of empathy so we can utilize and honor it in our lives. And so it goes into one, two, three, four. Uh, the first one being the mirror neuron system. And that's what Rebecca was talking about is researchers have discovered a specialized group of brain cells that are responsible for compassion. These cells enable everyone to mirror uh, emotions, to share another person's pain, fear, or joy. Because empaths are thought to have hyper-responsive mirror neurons, we deeply resonate with other people's feelings, okay? And then it goes into uh, other scientific proof, which is number two, the electromagnetic fields. Uh, The second finding is based on the fact that both the brain and the heart generate electromagnetic fields. According to the HeartMath Institute, these fields transmit information about people's thoughts and emotions. So 
we're picking up on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it goes into the third uh, scientific uh, evidence, which is emotional contagion. The third finding which enhances our understanding of empaths is the phenomena of emotional contagion. Research has shown that many people uh, pick up the emotions of those around them. And, uh, and so part of that is about like picking up not only their micro expressions and their mannerisms, because you can tell when someone doesn't want to be around you. You can tell when someone's perhaps bored or, or you know, you, you just pick up on these micro expressions and that's part of it. But then there's also parts that you can't really um, prove, so to speak, because it's something that you're feeling. You're yeah. feeling their energy, you and know. That's why it is so hard to, to prove scientifically sometimes. And that's why the cynics and the skeptics are so cruel to people who claim to be empaths. Um, and, you know, because I think there's a lot of people now who claim to be empaths who probably aren't. And, um, but, the, but the, you know, like I've said before, um, Everybody has the ability to be that. We're all alive. Um, but some are just stronger empaths than others. And uh, we're going to go into later the super empath. Um, but phys- there are physical phenomena that um, allow some people to be greater empaths than others. Like you said, you know, just having a larger amygdala mm-hmm. uh, can, can produce that effect. Um, so and the last one is number four increased dopamine sensitivity the fourth finding involves dopamine a neurotransmitter that increases the activity of neurons and is associated with the pleasure response research has shown that introverted empaths tend to have a higher sensitivity to dopamine than extroverts basically they need less dopamine to feel happy they could uh, that could explain why they are more content with alone time, reading, and meditation, and need less external stimulation from parties and other large social gatherings. So that's basically the whole article, and I want to give credit where credit is due. That book is called The Empath Survival Guide by Judith Orloff, MD, and the article is written by Dana Brown uh, on a uh, on a website uh, called uh, the The New Science of Empathy and Empaths. And uh, it's called paceconnection.com. So you can go there to paceconnection.com, giving credit where credit is due. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating. And I, it's so rewarding to hear empaths, especially one with a doctor, that's a doctor, uh, talking about the actual physical evidence that there are people who can pick up on vibes and energy more than others. Um, and yes, I do believe that everyone has that ability to pick up on vibes. We're all human. It's like when somebody enters the room and you feel something. Oh, I feel I feel something. Um, I think everybody has that intuitively, but some people just have it a little bit more. And there's no shame in some people being empaths and some people being not, you know, because we're going to get into talking about super empaths. Um, I don't believe I'm a super empath necessarily, um, but maybe I am, I don't know. I, I, I've got it a lot and you know, it would explain a lot, but I will go into that at the end here. Um, but now I kind of want to shift into simply talking about, um, uh, there's an article here called what are empaths, 14 empath traits and scientific theories. And I'll go into this just a little bit here. I'm not going to bore you with everything on this. Um, but it, it says what are empaths? 
In a nutshell, empaths are individuals who pick up and absorb the emotions of others around them, sometimes described in terms of reading another person's energy. This skill comes in the four... Uh, I, I screwed up. This, this, <laughs> this skill comes to the fore both in the close relationships and in superficial interactions with strangers. This high level of sensitivity means that empaths are highly capable of offering understanding and compassion. Similarly, it also means that they can easily become overwhelmed. Uh, it's also important to note that many empaths aren't limited to detecting emotions. They may also pick up physical sensations and can sense someone's spiritual orientation. They may also be able to tune into a person's motivation or immediately read their intentions. And I've talked about that. Energy and intention, you guys. Um, that's how I knew my friend wasn't coming entirely correct. He was trying to claim that he was simply trying to give me advice, but it was passive-aggressive advice, and there was judgment there. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad person, but I'm, I'm going to call it like it is, God damn it, you know. <laughs> Anyways, it goes on to say, uh, in some cases, empaths are entirely aware that they are experiencing feelings that don't belong to them. However, in other cases, and especially in early life, uh, empaths may <clears throat> be genuinely confused by what they pick up. Consequently, they may find it hard to know what they really want. Self-reflective journaling and therapy can be extremely extremely useful to an empath. These processes allow them to examine their thoughts, emotions, and desires without the usual level of interference. Uh, with this broad picture in mind, we can now move on to look at the main traits that are commonly seen in empaths. Okay, and so that kind of goes into what I meant when I was talking about, you know, writing lists, <clears throat> is that we... We human beings, for for as uh, complex as we are, um, if we want to find anything out about ourselves, we have to a be excruciatingly honest with ourselves, and b um, because it's because we are so complex creatures, um, it sometimes helps to just write lists of what our triggers are, write lists of what um, what our empathic traits are. And then just try to find out, okay, let's see if we can isolate this. Is this coming from the external world outside of me? Or is this coming from my own anxieties? Is this wishful thinking? You know, I, I just want to be an empath because I want to feel special. Therefore, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like there's a guy uh, yesterday and I don't mean to judge him. He's a good guy, but he's like, oh, I'm an empath too. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's just what I sense. Now I yeah. could be wrong, but yeah. you know, but a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork claiming to be empaths now. And I think it's because, um, you know, people, it, it makes you feel like you've got a special power. It's like being a psychic. It's like, ah, I've got a special power and it makes them feel um, more valid. It's like I said, humans need validation. And so I don't, judge people like that it's like eh, man, maybe you are i don't know you know i don't sense yeah. that you are but mm -hmm. hey whatever yeah. you know but anyways this goes on to talk about are you an empath 14 traits of an empath and we'll just kind of go into this and kind of see what we yeah what we share with them. exactly so it says empaths are highly sensitive and emotional Empaths are very often easy to trust and very responsive to emotional experiences, whether their own or someone else's. This sensitivity means you can experience the highest highs, but it also curses you with the lowest lows and with the propensity to be deeply hurt by fractured relationships. If you're an empath, you may go through a wide range of emotions every day, both because 
of your own responses to life and because of what you pick up. And so that, uh, that like That's I was definitely me. Well, like with going back to this dude that I was dealing with, um, he was, um, I had to explain that I'm not schizophrenic and I'm not bipolar because he reads my Facebook content and sometimes it's very happy and very jovial and other times it's very deep and very, you know, sad. And I'm just an open book. I just, this is who I am. This is what, what you see is what you get. And, you know, I think, you know, people are always looking for reasons to judge. They're always looking for reasons to criticize. And it's like, you know what? You know, look in the mirror before you do that guy. You ain't exactly so perfect yourself, you know? Um, but that, you know, but that, that, this here explains exactly why I have such high highs and such low lows because I don't have, I'm not bipolar. It just some days I feel more uh, deeply than others, you know? Absolutely. So, did you have something to add? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Uh, and then it goes on, number two, uh, they are often introverts and need alone time. That would be me. Can you relate? 20%, yes. <laughs> yeah, it says, while you likely love intensely and genuinely care for people, your propensity to take on their emotions means that alone time is essential. Uh, indeed, most empaths recharge when they're on their own rather than uh, deriving energy from social situations like ext- extroverts do. So if you have higher than average levels of empathy, there are probably many weekends when you'd rather curl up at home with a good book than accept an invitation to a party. My days off, I do not want to leave the house. Exactly. When I come home on, especially <clears throat> when it's a super busy, really hectic day, I'm just drained. And you see that. I just come mm-hmm. home and I just zone out and I'm just quiet because it's just yeah. so drained. There's well, nothing left. It's kind of like when I record. And I'm all out there, and then you see me at the end of a, a day, and I'm completely introvertized. It's like I'll listen to the podcast for quality control, and I feel like I'm listening to somebody else because I'm so extroverted on the show. Yeah. And then when That's I'm not. when I'm at home, when I'm especially at the end of the day when I'm tired, I'm so withdrawn. I'm mm-hmm. I'm energetically camouflaging myself. Yeah. I want to be invisible. I want to be a wallflower. Yeah. You know. Well, and especially working. In a customer service setting, yeah. I'm always out there. I'm always talking. I'm always, and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's me, but it's also a big act. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not that much of a talker, and I'm forced. Yeah. To have those interactions. Yeah. And well, and and I don't think it's fake. It's no. simply a version of yourself that's socially acceptable. It takes a lot of energy from me. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, that's why uh, people like you and me are so tired at the end of the, of a day. And that's why I try to tell you, um, you're giving your job too much. You energetically, you're putting everything into every interaction. I don't even mean to. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, you're a conscientious person, yeah. conscientious person. Hey, when I was in elementary school, I got a Baywood bear hug for being conscientious. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was that kid that like, I, I got hundreds of these things. And um, all my friends made fun of me. It's like, great. Like, now I'm the nerdy, <laughs> you know, like I'm the teacher's pet, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. but it, it was because I was shy and I was quiet and I was withdrawn and I was smart. And mm-hmm. I was all these little traits of the perfect yeah. little child. And, you know, yeah. I grew out of it. I had a, <laughs> my teen years, I was a little hellion. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, when I was young, that's that was the empath in training, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, so, that's why oh. at work got the little ambassador thing on my name tag because i'm the person that my boss feels if 
new people have questions, mm-hmm. concerns, they can come to me because I'm understanding. And well, I'm, and that's why, like, sometimes I get jealous, not deeply jealous, but just jealous that females like yourself get so much support. They get so much credit for being nice people. And it's like, what am I, chopped liver here? Like, you know, I I talk mad smack. I mean, you heard me earlier talking about beating asses and shit. Like, I would never, come on, in a thousand years, unless I have to, I'm not, that, you know, that's just talking shit. (laughs) It's just to get things off your chest. Well, Um, I do it too, but it's just in this voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a d- deep booming voice and so I th- I think that's where people think that um I can't couldn't possibly be an empath. I couldn't possibly be an introvert. It's like you don't you don't know what I go through, man, you know? Yeah. So um who I am off the show is very different from who I am on the show and while I try to give you my truest self, um just having to extrovertize exhausts me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, going back, oh, and yeah, the reason why you're an ambassador at work is because everybody energetically just gravitates to you. There are just certain people that are earnest and wholesome and real. And, you know, I get that a lot too. Just people, just I'm a magnet to pe- people who need a friend. And that's why I'm trying to build this empath tribe because I want people, you know, occasionally I can be snarky. That's the comedian in me. And, Occasionally that can turn people off, but for the most part in real life, um, I'm always the person people gravitate to. Strangers are always walking up on me, (laughs) wanting to start conversations. It's like, yeah, you know, just have that energy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So number four says they have great intuition and keen senses. One of the most obvious empath traits is that the ability to pick up on uh, subtle cues way earlier than most people. So you might notice a potential romance between two friends before anyone else does, or you may pick up uh, indications of danger very quickly. Plus, you probably have a talent for taking calculated risks. This intuitive sharpness is one of the great benefits of empathy and gives you an edge in many areas of life. And so I think, you know, having the military training, um, having been around danger in my life, um, being an empath makes me highly attuned to bad intentions and danger. And that's why, like, when I'm in restaurants, I have to face the door. Um, that's why, uh, like, when we w- used to go stargazing and if I get a bad feeling, um, sometimes I'll get bad feelings and then they'll dissipate. And I'm like, okay, maybe that was just an early warning signal. Um, but that one time, I'm like, let's go. Maybe it was completely nothing. And maybe there was something. Maybe maybe a bunch of rednecks with shotguns were coming, you know? <laughs> but yes, absolutely, I find this to be the case that um, uh, just picking up on cues, picking up on subtle um, body language, uh, micro expressions, um, and then just picking up on uh, things that a lot of people don't see, you know, it's like, how do you not see it? You don't see a blossoming romance between these right. two people. Yeah. I can always tell the difference when someone's being polite and when someone's like, hey, baby. <laughs> you know. And so I, I kind of waffle on that. Like sometimes mm. I'm very intuitive about things and sometimes I'm completely oblivious. And so that's it's... probably because of the protect the protective field that you have to put up. Yeah, you know, could be. It's, yeah. it's blocking okay. out a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, you know. You stay in your own lane, like I said. When you're staying in your own lane, sometimes it gets harder to notice what's around you. You know, because I've noticed with myself, 
like you'll notice everything in this mobile home park. Like, how do you notice all these things? Hey, they painted their house. Oh, look, they put it in right. the yard. Yeah. And I'm not really that way, but I'm very, I, I pick up on a lot of other things. Like, just like a, I have a sight beyond sight, to quote Thundercats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a sight beyond sight in the sense that um, a lot of the times I don't know where I'm getting some of this information. I feel like I'm almost... Like, yes, I read a lot, and maybe some of that is in the dark recesses of my brain, but sometimes I feel like I never learned this. How in the hell do I know this? And then I'll look it up, and I'm like, geez, yeah, I was absolutely correct. Yeah. So maybe we have an ability. And that kind of goes into the paranormal where, you know, how, like, you could go down to Mexico and do a ghost hunt, and people who've never spoke English before now can speak English, for example. You know, mm -hmm. like... I feel like once you're on the ethereal plane, uh, you have sort of an energetic ability to simply retrieve information that you don't normally have because you are a part of that collective now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it's just, yeah. it, you can only theorize, but it's yeah. weird, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, so they take on other people's feelings and issues. As noted above, being an empath makes you susceptible to muddling your emotions with those of others. For example, you might take on the bad moods of colleagues and end up fighting with your partner. Or you may passively absorb the views of a group that do not typically represent your values. Creating and manipulating boundaries, or excuse me, creating and maintaining boundaries between yourself and others is a vital part of living with enhanced empathy, allowing you to identify what's really yours. Okay, so... Yeah, we have to. For sure. Yeah. Well, and picking up on stuff. Is oh, fun. yeah. So. It's like like when you get offended and I haven't even said anything or vice versa. <laughs> right. Like you're offended by my, you're, I'm offended. It's like minority port. Like you're getting charged with right. a crime you haven't even committed yet. It's like, I haven't even said anything yet. Yeah, but I can sense your energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And you're going to say something messed up. I yeah. can tell. Um, so number six goes into empaths tend to be incredibly creative. I've said this on the show. The heightened emotions and experience of empaths give them an enormous wealth of material to express in creative ways. If you're an empath, it's likely that you are frequently inspired because of what you feel. Some empaths are traditional artists, musicians, or writers, while others are actors, dancers, or physically expressive in other ways. In many cases, creative uh, acts can em help empaths release pent-up emotions in a healthy, productive way. And, uh, yeah. Dancing was Definitely that for me. I was an I artist when I was a kid. Yeah. I was an actor and singer, and I was, you know, a chef for very yeah. many, many years. And so while I don't do the culinary arts quite as often, um, creative people have very specific sensibilities, and you just relate to them. That's why, like, my friend, uh, another Jim, I know about 100 Jims, um, <laughs> but Jim... Uh, is a wonderful artist. And I was always jealous because he can, he can do art like, like anime style. He's so good, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, and he's great. But, um, but I've always had that creative sensibility and that creative sensibility, you know, like my, that's why, like I was trying to explain to my friend when I write, I'm not coming from a place of ego. I'm not coming from a place of being self-absorbed. I'm simply trying to relay information. And if it takes six paragraphs, then that's what it's going to take. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I write jokes and they're like, you know, 10 words. Other times I might write something that's two pages long. And it's just, 
I let the creative process happen. Um, but then, yeah, some people judge you for that. It's like, because you're not a creative type. That's why you work in a fucking warehouse. I mean, nothing against people who work in warehouses. I've worked in warehouses all the time, <laughs> but you know, but that's why I'm doing this because I honestly feel that the world at large, our society at large, is becoming so transactional that we're ignoring people's emotions, we're ignoring people's uh, creativity, and we're ignoring people's right to exist. And and that transactional living can have long-term uh, consequences. And that's where, that's what I mean when I talk about talk, uh, trying to battle tyranny, injustice, inequality, and regressive mentalities. It's nothing against political affiliations. It's against mentalities. There's woke mob leftists who are just as obnoxious and, and destructive as, as right-wing, uh, you know, uh, insurrectionists. So, you know, it doesn't, where you land on the political spectrum is irrelevant to what your energy is all about. Is your energy chaotic? Is your energy, you know, it's kind of like uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Are you lawful good? Are you chaotic good? Or are you, mm-hmm. you know, neutral? Or are you uh, chaotic evil? Or are you, new, you know, yeah. lawful evil? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that really helps me. Like when I think about people, I like to put them in that D- Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. category because it helps you understand who they are. Anyways, uh, going on the next one, number eight, uh, they hate to say no. Uh, due to being able to feel another person's disappointment, desperation, and sadness, empaths really hate to have to say no. This means they often take on way too many commitments, and I think that's what happens to you at work. Um, un- I've gotten, as I've gotten older, <clears throat> I've gotten more able to say no. Yeah. Because, yeah, I used to be the person that, oh, we need you to do this. Okay, we need you to come to right. your jam. Okay. Well, and now I've definitely learned to set boundaries well, and stick with them. That's why, like, at Lowe's, it got to a point where, at first, they're like, hey, can you help with this? I'm like, sure. And then they realize that you can do everything in the store, and then they start taking it for granted. <clears throat> and now they want you to, like, go and hump Hump is a word in the military means uh, loading, <laughs> so not actual humping. But you, we want you to hump a bunch of concrete into a guy's truck, right? And it's like, dude, I'm in my 40s and I have back problems, and I learned to say no. And as such, I stopped being uh, taken as seriously. They didn't want me. It really did mess up my career with them because I I had to have boundaries. But you know how retail is; they have no boundaries. Yeah don't like when you set mm-hmm. boundaries You're right if it, if it makes life a little more uncomfortable for them yeah then- or or it just simply uh you know they think you you saying no is akin to you not caring about your job it's like no i care but i care about my back problems too dude yep. you know exactly. i care about you have to learn to say no in certain circumstances if you know it's not good for you yep. so learn to do that learn to set yep. boundaries and even it, if it, it it's hard <clears throat> but it gets easier as you do it yeah, you have to. Yeah. You have to because people out there, I wouldn't say they're all sociopaths, but they're um, they're just they're not very um, they're not they they don't understand human rights. We'll say, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like that's why we're fighting for human rights because humans deserve rights. You know, look at people as people. One, it's easy to start thinking of people as just bodies. You know, um, we're just a bunch of, we're society. We're just a bunch, we're a collective, but no, I'm not, I don't, I'm not defined by the fact that I'm progressive. I'm not defined by the fact that I'm uh, Caucasian. I'm not defined by 
anything but my my values. That's what's important, you know. Anyways, going on, uh, number nine, empaths are human lie detectors. I don't even have to read this. Um, just you can detect when people are bullshitting. Um, I could tell from my friend, and I'm sorry to keep using him as an example. If he hears this, he's going to think I'm picking on him. No, I'm not picking on you. Uh, <laughs> I, I respect you. I value you. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, people, um, when they're not coming correct, you just know it. You can tell when somebody's had a conversation about you behind your back. You can tell when they're lying to you. Um, sometimes it's body language, but sometimes it's just it's just tone. Sometimes it's none of that. You just sense it. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. tell. Yeah. You know, sure. like when that other guy said, "Yeah, I'm an empath too." I'm like, "No, you're not." <laughs> <laughs> and if he is, and he well, and if he claims to be an empath, and he and he. You know, maybe I'll soften on that. Maybe I'll see, oh, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not about judging. It's simply about what you pick up on, yeah. you know. Okay, and then number 10, they often suffer from fatigue and anxiety. Story, oh, my <laughs> life, y'alls. Yeah, so it says there are many positive effects of kindness on health. However, if you're an empath, then the level of kindness you extend to others may be downright exhausting. You can be so busy trying to carry other people's emotions, listening to their issues, and helping them solve their problems that you become physically fatigued or emotionally strung out. As a result, empaths are susceptible to chronic fatigue syndrome and to mental health issues like anxiety and depression. Um, a good example of that is, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, and you know, like um, our good friends uh, that we met through the show here, um, uh, Idris and Laura. Uh, I love them. I adore them. Um, but yesterday I spent about an hour talking to Laura about some of the trauma that she's been through and trying to give her really good sound advice. But at the end of it, I was going to record afterward, but afterward and no offense, Laura, I love talking to you. Um, but afterwards I was emotionally uh, fatigued, you know, um, yeah. not because of anything she did wrong, uh, just simply because I give so much that at the end of the day, sometimes I don't leave enough for myself. And then I just, I, I, I tuck her out. Yeah, I tuck her out. <laughs> I'm so very tired. I'm so very old. <laughs> so, yeah. So, chronic fatigue and anxiety, uh, very common, especially if you're around uh, psychic vampires, sociopaths, or simply just not very nice people. It can be very taxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, number 11, they can easily... Uh, be overwhelmed uh, by their empathic powers, obviously. Uh, Even once you understand your empathy quite well and have learned techniques to separate your emotions, it's very easy to tip back over into being overwhelmed again. For example, if someone you love is in distress, you might be utterly swamped by their sadness. Meanwhile, if you're in a large crowd, then the proximity of so many minds and emotions can feel too much to bear. These are some of the many reasons why empaths need time alone. Um, yeah, and that's why I, I virtually live in this house. I don't go outside unless I have to. You know, that's why I like working from home. Uh, not only is the pandemic bonkers, but people and our politics have grown so fucking bonkers that that energy, it's its not about judging, and I, you know, because, hey, maybe they got good reasons for the way they feel, but its the, it's how exhausting I feel Dealing with bonkers, you know, because it's chaotic energy. It feels chaotic and it overwhelms my senses. Um, so, yeah, we have to center. And that's why I try to go for runs and get out of here because, I, you know, 
Rebecca and I basically share the same space. And that's why I'm looking for some part-time work to get me out of the house, A, because we need the money, but also because um, the pandemic's starting to end finally, and I've had all three of my shots, and so I can finally go out there. Um, but a big reason is because I want you to have time alone again, and that's why we're going to convert the front den into uh, its own separate, you know, we're going to put a wall in there to have a private space so that we can coexist and be around each other without having to be constantly in each other's face because we need that alone time. I think thankfully energetically, I think we're so similar that we've learned ways to sort of, um, I don't want to say block each other out, but just sort of, we're on, we're on this harmonic frequency and we 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 we're, we're relaxed and comfortable around each other where we don't feel like we have to be yeah and we can be in the same space and doing our own thing without having to be like interacting all the time or right. talking or or yeah. doing things so exactly yeah. no, we, we figured it out we're good we at it. we're good at that yeah that's why we work so well um so number 12 says uh empaths love to be nurtured by nature uh, I'm not going to even read it. Nature yeah. is about self-care. Nature is spiritual. Nature is grounding. It's healing. Um, because society is, is a juggernaut, you guys. And that energy is, uh, very overwhelming for empaths. Myself, very much included. A very big part of my being an empath is about dealing with societal energy. Um, you know, I had a friend, uh, once on Facebook ask me, so can you sense people online? Can you sense their energies? Uh, no, the answer is no, I don't sense your energy, but I can tell from the way you write something, um, the mood you were in, or I can tell when you're, um, being a, not necessarily being very nice. You can tell their intentions, but you don't sense their feelings. You have to be in the room or in the vicinity of someone. Um, but when it comes to society, I can sense society, even if it's miles and miles away. And that's because you're talking about thousands of people, that collective energy. Um, sometimes it has to do with uh, the p- politics. Sometimes it has to do with the news. And that's why I, I, you know, during the Trump years, it was a very unhealthy thing. But I always felt like I needed to stay glued to the TV because I wanted to know what the hell's going on out there because it's so bonkers. But now that things are sort of stabilizing, I really try to remove myself from the day in, day out of that social uh, societal zeitgeist because I don't think it's important whether or not you know a new movie's coming out. I don't think it's important. I don't care about keeping up with the Joneses. I don't care about Squid Game. Like, like it all of a sudden, Squid Game is like a national sensation. Everybody's seen it. Like, where was I? I don't know. Because we don't watch a lot of cable TV, so I don't hear about these things. And then you hear about it on Facebook or something. It's like, oh, I guess I have to watch Squid Game now. And I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's a good show. has good social commentary. Um, but I don't feel like I have to keep up in society. I don't have to watch Frozen 2. I don't have to, you know, and that doesn't mean that I won't. It just means that I don't feel it necessary. And that's why I watch Knight Rider instead of the thousands of shows that are on today, because, you know, sometimes, you know, the truth is, is that emotionally, I'm not always ready for new stuff. I'm not ready because it's weird. It's hard to describe, but sometimes when you're watching new stuff, 
It reminds you of the sophistication of our times. It reminds you of all of our electronics and technologies. And it reminds you of just how robotic and how bad we've become at being human to each other. And so sometimes I just need to step back. And that's why I'll, I'll watch something, uh, a TV show about something before there was internet, before there was the computer, uh, you know, all, all the all the technology that sort of uh, removes us from our humanity, you know. Yeah, and speaking of the nature thing, like, we don't get out into it enough because the whole, I don't want to leave the house thing. Yeah. But yeah, nature, I mean, the first time I went to Yosemite, I just felt this sense of peace and just, yeah. like, I could just sit there and just stare at a waterfall for, like, an hour, and it's just, yeah, nature well, is definitely so... Well, and I don't know if we're going to have time today, but we were going to go into, I'll, I'll quickly list it, but there's different types of empaths, and I've discussed the six types of empaths on the show. And then if you count dark empaths, that's seven. Um, there's a ton of different kinds. And, and I, I try not to label myself what kind of empath I am because I am an em- I'm an intuitive empath. Uh, I'm a physical empath and I'm an animal empath and I'm a nature empath. And so um, I don't believe that your antenna gives a shit what, how you label yourself. You know what I mean? No labels, you know, um, what you sense can be a, a mixture of a lot of those things. And so, yeah, there was a time I was very close to nature. Um, I remember when I was like, I was going through it in my teen years and, uh, I bought this calla lily for my mom for mother's day. And, uh, I remember just watering it and staring at it for like an hour, watching the dew form on the flower. Um, and I had this, um, I felt like I was having this emotional connection to it. And while that might sound ridiculous and silly, um, I don't think uh, plants have emotions in the sense that we do, but they're a life form and you can sense their energy and you can sense animals and, and plants. You can sense their desire for us to treat them with respect. You know, that's what it's all about is that animals and plants and, and, you know, living creatures that can't defend themselves are vulnerable. And, and so they're vulnerable to attack. They're vulnerable to abuses. And so I feel a great deal of responsibility trying to be the kind of person, um, that sticks up for those who can't stick up for themselves. And that's why I'm, I'm a soldier slash boy scout, you know, yeah. sticking up for those who can't, yeah. you know. All right. Uh, so empaths often neglect themselves. Empaths can be, uh, become so focused on the needs and feelings of others that they effectively begin to tune out their own needs. In extreme cases, this can lead to uh, self-neglect, leading you to become physically or emotionally unwell. To live a full, happy life, someone <clears throat> with high levels of empathy needs to deliberately spend time noticing their own thoughts and feelings. A, di- a daily mindfulness or meditation practice can help with this, cultivating a habit of self-reflection. And uh, I think it's different for everybody. But, you know, um, it doesn't have to be hippy-dippy. It doesn't have to be quasi-spiritual. Um, sometimes just a little bit of alone time. Sometimes uh, <clears throat> just uh, thinking upon your day, uh, any kind of self-reflection or meditation. Yes, you got to center, man. What what do you do? Um, I don't really do any meditation or a lot of self reflection, but I think just 
turning off, kind of basically turning off my brain and like mm-hmm. getting into my little phone games and things. I think yeah. that is just my way of yeah of doing it. It just kind of helps me kind of concentrate on something that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And it just helps to kind of clear well, everything that's, out. And that's me with my writing. And that's me with my article reading. Like when I'm reading about tech stuff. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, a new speaker. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> my, <laughs> you know. my playing with makeup and nail polish and <clears> things. <throat> it just it centers me. Just, well, it's like, that, it's like that audio slave song. It doesn't remind me of anything. Is that our brains have this tremendous capacity to think about one thing that will lead us down the path of other things. And those things can sometimes lead to things that are emotional or negative and so sometimes we need like yeah just like stupid silly things that like little brain games and puzzles and things that don't remind you of anything that just keep your brain occupied you know yeah Yeah. absolutely um yeah absolutely so that's basically the whole list and then it goes into uh the six scientific theories behind empathy and we've gone into that but um these are a little bit different this one says sensory processing disorder Sensory processing disorder is a condition that makes the affected individual's brain struggle to work through the information absorbed from the world around them. It can make you oversensitive to everything from smells to sounds and light touches on the skin. This produce uh, this process can uh, be perceived as painful. And while life gets too noisy over stimu- and or overstimulating in some other way, you may wobble on your feet, trip up easily, and find it difficult to judge distances. Yay, that's you. <laughs> as well as increased anxiety. Yes, that's me. We go go to the gas station. I'm like, oh wow, I'm right next to where the pump is, and I'm like 20 feet away. <laughs> like when we met, and you hit you hit your own fence. And you're like, I hit a fence. Like, oops. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, and then it says, um, how does all of this relate to empathy? Some scientists have suggested that sensory uh, sensitivity may also occur at the level of emotions in some people. This would make them much more aware of the feelings of others. On this view, enhanced empathy is the emotional equivalent of feeling pain at the gentlest touch of your arm. As for what causes sensory processing disorder in the first instance, the evidence is mixed. Some studies indicate a genetic component so empaths may have at least one highly empathetic parent and others link sensory processing disorder to a normal brain activity that occurs in response to noise or light. So, yeah, you know, like that's why I think, you know, my mom definitely is not an empath. Um, perhaps my dad was. Um, I We didn't get to know each other really, really well, but he had a drinking problem. Um, perhaps he sensed too much. And back in those days, being a man was, you know, you're, you weren't allowed to be sensitive. And so perhaps he drank the pain away because he was feeling yeah. too much. My mom definitely. And my is. grandma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. My dad, maybe. It's possible. That's why he's so smart. Yeah. That's why we have so much in common, your dad and I. Mm-hmm. They always say, you marry your father. Oopsie. (laughs) I'm not exactly like him, but we have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh, And then it goes into empaths could have overactive mirror neurons. So we, I'm not going to read it, but um, those overactive mirror neurons um, where you uh, might see somebody's micro expressions. And while some others, some people won't pick it up at all. Others, uh, it's very, very noticeable. And that's like a good example is like back when I was friends with this uh, friend of mine, um, he was married to this gal uh, and she'd come home and she'd be annoyed with him. And uh, 
I'm feeling it like a ton of bricks and he's completely clueless. I'm like, dude, are you fucking <laughs> blind? Will you hug your wife? Will you address the elephant in the room? Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, but um, that's why eventually we had a falling out because he, I honestly believe was a psychopath. Um, he assaulted me at work. We had the same job. We got this job at the army base and he was reading books about the Sith and he wanted to be a Sith and you could hear how he he wanted to emulate that. And he's told me stories of himself in the Marine Corps. I won't go into it, but it's, he did some messed up shit. And so, yes, he's a psychopath. Um, and while he had the ability to be very charming, um, he also, yeah, he was very, very charming. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, I know it sounds you guys like I have a lot of falling outs, but really I, what it boils down to is if you're around the wrong people, um, if you're around sociopaths, if you're around insensitive people, yes, eventually they're going to come to the conclusion uh, that you're, you know, that you're a target. And so that's why it might appear that I've had a lot of falling outs. I've only had four or five falling outs in my entire life, but I bring them up because um, it always seems to stem from pettiness or some misunderstanding and we should, as adults, be able to get through those petty differences. And that's why, like my friend who, you know, uh, kind of came at me the other day, I have nothing against the dude. I think he's a wonderful person. It's just that, mind your P's and Q's, fella, you know? Um, and then it goes into electromagnetism. Um, and we've talked about that. Uh, it says, on an entirely different note, many of the above empath symptoms could be explained by electromagnetism. This particular theory derives from some fascinating work conducted by researchers at the HeartMath Institute, Institute who have explored whether our electromagnetic fields are capable of influencing the magnetic fields of others. <clears throat> you know, we often talk about auras. Um, you know, whoa, amber is the color of your energy. <laughs> I almost forgot the words. <laughs> but... Um, you know, yes, they're, you know, that's a very relevant thing. And so it says here, um, uh, meanwhile, uh, let me go into it. Uh, I don't want to read the whole thing, but uh, the common uh, connection between mirror neurons and empaths is that there's a strong possibility that more neurons may lead to more intense empathy. Uh, let's see. Oops, I'm on the wrong part. Jeez, look at me. <laughs> uh, it just says, the Heart Math Institute has discussed findings suggesting that our own hearts and brains generate their own unique electromagnetic fields. These fields are thought to be able to communicate certain content about the individual's feelings, desires, and beliefs, even those among uh, us who are not natural-born empaths. Um, you know, and so, yeah, um, these facts about electromagnetism mean that it is possible that empaths have a heightened sensitivity to the electromagnetic fields by the hearts and brains of people in their vicinity. Consequently, the empath could become so sensitive that this process is emotionally and physically draining. It remains an open question whether empaths can do anything to regulate this sensitivity. Other promising areas of future research include whether the impact on the empath varies depending on facts about the field produced uh, by their own uh, I don't understand that the empath varies whether the impact of the empath varies depending on facts about the field produced by other another individual if so we could conclude whether this indicates anything significant about the potential depth 
of relationship that might develop between the empath and another person. So I think what they're saying is that um, as you become connected to another individual in your vicinity, um, you know, there's a certain type of uh, simpatico that happens. And we were talking about that between you and me is um, not only do you um, energetically uh, become more used to each other, but also um, perhaps there's uh, we're sensing each other's um, magnetic fields as well. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing is this is not pseudoscience, you guys. And that's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand is when people treat you with judgment and ridicule because they think it's all a bunch of, you know, hogwash. It's like, dude, no, there's something to this. I mean, human beings are social creatures and we've had to evolve as such because we're not, we're not like bears in that we're big and we have giant claws. We can't protect ourselves. Um, when we're out in nature, we find out how disastrously uh, under uh, utilized we are, how, our senses are pathetic compared to animals. We're slow. We can't see in the dark. We can't see very far. And we, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're terrible outdoors. And that's why there's so many shows about survival because it's hard for us. We're not like animals where we can easily survive out there. And so, um, that really does show that we have to, we are, um, we are the reason why we are the the dominant species on this planet is not because we're the biggest or the strongest uh, or even the smartest for that matter which we are but it's because we're the most adaptable and be, that ad, adaptivity is what has made us allow us to continue on and so maybe um you know there's this sixth sense that we just can't really uh we can't prove it. And so it, it's always going to be a topic of contention and uh, pe- cynics and jaded people are going to say, Oh, that's hogwash, but no, yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah. And then it talks about uh, hormone and chemical, chemical sensitivities. Parts of empath psychology could also relate to hormone levels and to levels of neurotransmitters, uh, i.e. chemical messengers in our brains. One particular promising contender is dopamine, a neurotransmitter that plays a key role in how we respond to pleasure and how we learn to develop habits that promote pleasure in the long term. Studies on dopamine levels in the general population indicate that introverted people are most sensitive to dopamine when compared to extroverted individuals. This means that introverted people tend to need lower levels of dopamine in order to experience happiness and pleasure. It's possible that this tendency uh, generalizes so if you're an introverted empath you may just be more sensitive to small chemical changes in the body including those that are uh, introduced by contact with other people in addition there may be uh, other hormones and neurotransmitters in play when it comes to empathy further research may reveal other links blah 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 blah. so yeah you know and and that's the thing um the last one here um does it go? Oh, well, actually, it goes into emotions may be contagious. We've gone over that. There's, um, it, it kind of talks about uh, positive emotions can be contagious too. For example, random acts of kindness. Statistics show that people become more compassionate when they receive compassion. And the benefits of acts of kindness can also extend to those who merely observe compassion. And so uh, it says to trace out the implication that this has for our scientific understanding of empaths, consider that empaths may be biologically or psychologically more likely to catch emotional contagions. However, 
The exact mechanism via which this might occur still remains mysterious. And that's why I was going to skip over it is because there's really no like part of the brain or part of you that we can identify. We just know that it, yeah, it just, but it does seem that empaths and introverts and hypersensitives uh, are able to catch uh, acts of kindness more. And that's why we love cat videos. That's why we love, you know, random acts of kindness because it, it helps, you know, this world is disgusting. This world is depraved sometimes. And that depravity can really tear away at our mental health and our sense of justice and equality. And so um, that's exactly what I've told you guys is focus on the, the helpers, focus on the carers, uh, focus on random acts of kindness because um, it is contagious. And yes, the more you uh, fill your life with uh, that that positive energy, the more you can sort of block out the depravity out there. And that's why politics is such a weird thing right now, because it's not about hurting our opponent. It's not about, you know, being, you know, liberal versus conservative. It's about depravity versus eth- being ethical. And if you can't see where the fucking line is, guy, then you need to go home and sit amongst yourself and figure out what's wrong with you. <laughs> and then, okay, so the last one, and, and this one is a perfect segue uh, going into the super empath synesthesia. It's called synesthesia. The final hypothesis worth considering is that empaths may experience a unique form of synesthesia. Synesthesia is a neurological crate that links two different senses that wouldn't normally be associated with each other. For example, some individuals with synesthesia will uh, taste particular flavors when they see certain colors. Others will associate uh, numbers with a musical sound. In addition, some forms of synesthesia might include smelling scents when listening to songs or linking particular colors to specific bodily sensations. Many people say this is a key part of their creativity. Uh, they simply don't know what life is like for the rest of us. <clears throat> However, in the case of empaths, some researchers have theorized that some something called mirror touch synesthesia is occurring. This type of condition would allow the empath to literally feel what other people are feeling. This is described as though these emotions are originating in their own bodies and not outside of them. On this view, excessive empathy is medically benign neurological abnormality that comes with benefits and challenges, just like all forms of synesthesia. To investigate this hypothesis further, scientists may want to test whether empaths tend to have other overlapping forms of regular sense synesthesia as well. And then it goes, in conclusion, while many uh, wonderful and perplexing questions remain, we have seen uh, how the experience, experiences of empaths may be explained from a scientific perspective. We've also looked at how we can distinguish enhanced empathy from more sensitivity. Try to consider some of the ways in which you might get the best uh, out of being an empath. However, make sure you continue to protect yourself from some of the associated dangers. What are you experiencing? What are your experiences of empathy, both in yourself and others? Do you wish you were more or less empathetic and why? Okay. So I've talked about the pros and cons. Yes. The pros are is that you're a highly creative, highly emotional. You have a deep, rich emotional life. Um, you're, you're usually emotionally uh, intelligent. You're usually uh, emotionally mature. Uh, 
you have a deep, rich life. Um, but then, yes, there are challenges because uh, we deal with fuck nuggets all day, every day. And it, and it makes us depressed. It makes us fatigued. Um, and uh, there's just going to be people out there who don't believe what we believe. And so we're always putting setting ourselves uh, up for attack whenever we label ourselves politically, whenever we label ourselves energetically, whenever we label ourselves spiritually, um, it, it, it sets us up for people to attack us. And so that's why I try to tell you guys, don't like, for example, label yourself on Facebook as a liberal. You're just going to get some crazed psychopath out there that's going to generalize about liberals without understanding you, the individual, you know, or, or if you aren't comfortable telling people that you're an atheist or that you're a Christian or whatever, don't label yourself. That way they can't attack that label because people tend to generalize about those labels. And so if you don't label yourself, um, it's, it's harder for those, that person to, um, you know, attack you with, with real things. And so on the show here, I come from a place of I'm a non-political progressive. I'm a small P progressive. Uh, there's overlap with liberals. There's an overlap with Democrats, but that doesn't mean that I'm against conservatives or conservatism. Some forms of policy I might agree with, but if you stop being crazy, I just might agree with what you have to say. And that's why I like when uh, Steve Schmidt and uh, there's a bunch of them, uh, conservatives out there who are now pundits who are saying, hey, this is all we're trying to do as conservatives. But the the tail wagging the dog in that Trumpism is, is trying to take over our conservative principles. Um, the reason why they're fighting is not because they're against conservatism. They're against a anti-intellectual, fascistic um mean-spirited movement that is stealing away their principles. They care about being fiscal and social conservatives, and it's taking something away from the legitimacy of their platform. And so that's why they're fighting. And it's not because they're hateful towards Trump, although he is a piece of shit. <laughs> Just not, ain't gonna lie. <laughs> so that, you guys, goes into that, what I said about synesthesia, and um, so super empaths, this is the last topic I'll talk about. Um, super empaths are real, studies say. New research has suggested that 1% to 2% of the population struggle to differentiate between their own bodily feelings and other people's. Um, says people who claim to be able to feel the emotional, mental, or physical state of another person are called empaths. Um, Vice made a documentary about them meeting a few people who said they could do exactly that. The reception to the film was split. Those who believed in empaths and perhaps they uh, thought they were one of one themselves and those who thought it was all a load of nonsense. And so um, says, obviously the idea of someone feeling the interiority of another human being sounds a little more conspiratorial than fact, which isn't helped by the fact that scientific backing for these claims haven't been, have been thin on the ground. In fact, we don't even know how much about the neurology behind empathy generally exists. Research, research has Researchers have basic ideas and are fairly certain about which particular brain regions are involved, but this is still very much a new area of study. And so, yes, it's very easy to get, you know, 
cynical and skeptical about it because yes, we can't prove it yet. You know, it's, it's, it's in its infancy. Think about what we used to know about polio and what we know about polio. Now it takes time. It takes money. Not right. putting into it, right? It's not something that's just like the paranormal. We're never going to get happen. money on the paranormal unless somebody like Bigelow puts a bunch of money into it. Yeah. yeah, you know. So it says here. However, new research supports that the existence of empaths, finding that between one to two percent of the population report experiencing this condition, uh, the work has been carried out by Dr. Michael Bannessy a professor of psychology at Goldsmiths, and his postdoctoral researcher, Dr. Natalie Bowling, who spent years looking into empathy and, more specifically, mirror-touch synesthesia. <clears throat> synesthesia occurs uh, when normally distinct senses are blurred together. Some people hear colors, blah, blah, blah. So I've said all that. Um, uh, mirror pain synesthesia is a far more common and relatable experience Someone scratching all over and you suddenly feel itching, for instance. It's kind of like the yawning thing when somebody yeah. yawns and then you yeah. yawn. Yeah. yeah. It's sub, uh, what do they call that? Um, uh, it's called, um, you know, I can't think of the word right now, but, um, uh, subject, sub, suggestivity, yeah. subject, suggestive, yeah. whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mirror pain synesthesia is a far more common and relatable experience. Someone scratching all over and you feel itchy, um, but it's mirror touch, that trait of being able to feel the feelings of others that is rare enough to be an alien concept to 98 to 99% of the population. Um, and so it says, during the part of the study, Banasi ran a study at the Science Museum in London asking passersby to fill out questionnaires about their own empathy levels and to take part in tests during which the, uh, they were delivered a tap to their cheek while being shown someone else being tapped on a different side of their face. The idea being that if you uh, have mirror sense synesthesia, you're more likely to believe you're being tapped on both sides of the face, says Bowling. These people are going to find it really hard to focus on what they're actually feeling and uh, they're going to get confused and make more errors and be slower to answer about whether they're being touched or not. <clears throat> uh, what's, what's new about this research is that it's not simply relying on self-reported empathy, a cr critique of some of the empaths <clears throat> on the Vice documentary. Their belief that if you call yourself an empath, you must be one. It's so difficult to say that one person's experience is the same as someone else's. So we wanted to compare people on some sort of task rather than what they describe their perspective as being. Uh, so it's kind of like you know, being able to isolate something more tangible. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, interestingly, they found that many people with mirror torch, torch. <laughs> Remember how I said, I said uh, Australians call uh, flashlights mm -hmm. torches. I find that fascinating. I don't know. <laughs> Interestingly, they found that many people with mirror touch synesthesia didn't even know they had it. Your brain isn't uh, integrating everything, says Bowling. You've got your heartbeat, stomach, touch receptors on your skin, but it's all put together holistically in your brain. We don't think about it, really. It's all going on in the background. In other words, if you've always experienced other people's sensations as your own from within your own body... How would you know the difference? How would you know others don't have that? Yeah. You know, 
And then it talks about the next step in the research, as far as bowling is concerned, is to look into the issues surrounding a potential blurring of self. I have a representation of what's going on in my own body, and I have a representation that 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 person over there has hurt their arm or whatever. And it's important for us to be able to switch between those representations in order to empathize, she explains. If I'm trying to empathize with somebody, I'm going to focus on them instead of me and vice versa in other situations. People have this condition, pe- people that have this condition uh, seem to have difficulty in controlling that move between that person and me and me and that person. So you're switching inward and outward. Um, there could be an infinite number of mental, physical, and emotional repercussions. Concurrently, Bowling says, people with mirror touch uh, uh, report being overwhelmed a lot of the time, and that would go into mental health and anxiety uh, and depression because you get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, Dr. Banasi has just commenced work on behavioral interventions to address low empathy levels. His research should show that there are ways we can go in and train people to be more empathetic, says Bowling. We need to do the science and get those techniques robust enough to roll out, which would definitely make a lot of people's lives easier. We have workplace sessions like disciplinary training and training on how to listen to people, but imagine teaching managers and staff empathy. <laughs> that So that's the whole article there. Um, um, but so what they're saying is, is that, you know, there are empaths and then there's super empaths. And, um, I think what they're saying is that empaths are probably inhabit one to two percent, but that some people have it more than others. Um, I myself have never really, I can sense stomach distress in others. Um, I can sense, um, hardship in others. Sometimes I feel their physical pains. Um, it's not as common as, because uh, I sense um, intentions a lot, probably a lot more. Um, but but super empaths, for whatever reason, maybe they have more mirror neurons or whatever. They're able to sense things, uh, and they can't tell the difference between themselves and other people. And so you know they get to wear a little cape that says S E super empath. But it's funny you say that because the moment you first said super empath, I envisioned. well yeah we're superhero nerds of course (laughs) so yeah so that's it you guys that's all of it you know um mirror motor neurons thenesthesia uh your heart and brain magnetism uh etc 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 um there is growing research you guys that can actually prove that some people sense things more than others and so uh, when people are giving you a hard time as an empath, um, try to tell, you know, find your own research and send it their way. Say, here, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you think about all that, babe? That was a very general question. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to sip coffee. I needed an excuse to drink coffee. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to begin. It's fascinating. I think it's very interesting, and I yeah. hope that they are able to do more research just to make it more legitimate, just kind of like the paranormal stuff. Yeah. People need to be exposed to it and well, see that things are, are real and actually happening. Yeah, I'm reminded of that that meme that Joe Rogan put out where it's like soft times create soft people and hard times create hard people. And the truth of the matter is that hard times can create, can build character 
but it can also create regressiveness. And so that's the problem I have sometimes with conservatism. It's not the people. It's that sometimes your policies are too punitive. Negative reinforcement doesn't necessarily necessarily reinforce um, better behavior. Scaring people to death, scaring people uh, of, of you know worrying about penalties of getting hurt or punished uh, only makes someone work so hard. If you want people to care, if you want people to really give a hundred percent, you need to, you know, relate to them on a personal level and use positive reinforcement. And so while I do agree the times are in some instances getting perhaps too soft, too wimpy or whatever, I think there's a balance to maintain. It seems like an all or nothing thing where you've got empaths are saying, you know, you know, it's like the liberal crowd, you know, like, Everything's getting so soft and touchy-feely. And then the conservatives, the backlash, like, God, everybody's becoming a pussy. It's like, we're, you know, you guys, it's not about one or the other. It's about balance. We need to to learn discipline and learn uh, hardship so that we can deal with a, an ever-increasingly difficult planet because we're physical creatures. Physical creatures deal with real hardship. We get hungry. We get sick. You know, we're eventually going to die. So we have that homeostasis that we are constantly trying to battle, trying to keep ourselves centered and balanced. And so that's what this show is all about, is trying to get you guys to feel good and to empower yourself. Uh, And that's why we talk real stuff, you know. So if I say, hey, I want to punch this motherfucker in the face. No, I'm not being literal. And I'm sorry if that offends you guys. But like I said, being a sensitive person uh, is not just emotional, it is, it's physical. We are physical empaths. We have uh, more empathy and we have a richer uh, creative life than others. And uh, oftentimes it, it comes with a lot of fucking burdens and maintenance. And so that's why, you know, some days I'm just like, fuck it. I'm not going to be an empath today. I, I'm calling in sick and I'm yeah. just going to watch predator and be a man you know and then i go into my my man shit you know what i mean i go into my man cave and i man i do my man shit because it doesn't remind me of all that touchy-feely stuff because like i was telling uh, our friend laura yesterday is that the you know the more you talk about being an empath the more it actually heightens your senses of awareness and so sometimes i just need an empath break i don't want to talk about it i don't want to think about it um, I don't want to talk about politically correct behavior. Yes, we we want to live on a planet full of people who care and who are, you know, caring and loving. And that I do believe that we are, you know, as a society, we are getting better at being um, nicer and kinder and more fair. But we still have a lot of work to do, you guys, because there's a lot of skeptics and cynics and. You know, people who are angry out there, especially people who are just like, don't care about masks, don't care about public health, uh, don't care about the sickness or death of others, um, until it happens to them, they don't understand sympathy. They don't understand empathy until it happens to them. And then oftentimes, uh, they'll get really empathetic for a while, and then when they're healed and better, um, oftentimes they forget. It's like my friend who, you know... He goes on unemployment, and then uh, a couple of months later, he talks about you know moochers on it on on unemployment. It's like, bitch, you were on unemployment yourself. 
So, or like when Glenn Beck, you know, was sick and he was like, yeah, I'm starting to get it, you know? And then six months later, he's right back to his old fucking bullshit. So it's like, come on guys. See, and that's just it. We're not against conservatives and conservatism. I don't want to exclude anybody. What it's about is about hypocrisy. It's about creating a world where we can admit our sensitivities without being um, targets to attack, to judgment, to scrutiny. And that's why if you guys, you know, say you're living maybe in a place, you know, that's more conservative, um, you know, here in Oregon, I can admit I'm an empath. Yes, I have a few friends who are like, fruit loop. It's like, I don't care. I'm 47 years old. I don't give a shit. You know, you don't want to be my friend. Bye. You know, but, but yeah, it hurts my feelings sometimes, especially when people kind of come with that passive aggressive judgment, you know, like my friend did. And, you know, I'm not picking on him. I'm just using him as an example that empaths, when you open up about who you are, uh, you subject yourself to scrutiny and judgment and attack. And that's hurtful. And so if you're not ready to um, let other people know who you are and what you're dealing with, um, you know, there ain't no shame of staying in the closet, so to speak. But hopefully in an altruistic society, in an idealized world, we can get rid of poverty. We can get rid of disease. We can get rid of bad jobs with bad pay. And we can get rid of uh, mentalities that are perpetuating hatred and and, and simply just violent and aggressive behaviors, you know, because I get it. Like, I'm a man. I get mad. I get sad. I want to go punch stuff. Uh, I don't want to hurt people, but I, I want to go kick grass. I'm going to go, you know, you know, I want to get it out off my chest. So I understand that anger creates aggressive tendencies, but we have to do it in a way where we're not, you know, on an airline getting, uh, you know, punching, uh, you know, people in the face because they want you to wear your fucking mask. Settle down, guy. And that's why I was so encouraged by that Trump supporter on our airplane that day because he was binding his P's and Q's. He was he had his Trump shirt and he had his Trump mask and he had his Trump hat. He was Trump to the T, boy. But he was fine. I don't care that you have Trump t-shirt on. I I don't want to pick your brain, but energetically he was like he wasn't being a dick about it he wasn't being anti-science and uh my friend craig he he got he's a trump supporter he got the vaccine he wears a mask at work you know he doesn't wear a mask at home but neither do we you know and so it's just encouraging that finally we're getting to a point hopefully where some people are starting to see that this pandemic is not meant to be a political wedge issue it's just public health you know, and I'm sorry that you don't understand, you know, uh, epidemiology and uh, science, but, you know, we have to start being the carers in this world, you know, and uh, the more you wear a mask, the less others get sick, the less they transmit it to grandma and the less grandma doesn't die, you know, and that's what it's all about. And they don't, they don't see, I don't know, maybe it's too complex for their brains or something. I have no idea. I can't even begin to understand it. <laughs> I don't even want to try. I don't even want to stoop to that level. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the empath in me is I'm always trying to figure out if people are redeemable or not. And, uh, you know, and that's like I said, at the end of the day, um, some people you just got to throw away. Like, it's not that, you know, it's not that we 
devalue them as a person. It's that some people aren't going to learn uh, in a time frame that we have time for. We have to protect ourselves. And that's what this show is all about, is about empowering and protecting ourselves as empaths, as creatives, as depressives, as introverts. You know, it's about allowing the misfits of our society to feel empowered and emboldened to be themselves because this is the year 2021 and I'm sorry that y'all want to live in the year 1940, but you know, maybe you all would be better off living in the old days, you know, humping hay for a living 14 hours a day. Maybe you'd prefer that. Maybe you'd prefer when children had to work 20 hour work weeks or excuse me, 20 hour work days. Maybe they'd be better off, you know? And that's what I mean is like a lot of these conservatives and I don't, mean to pick on conservatives because I like I said there's a difference between good people who happen to be conservative and people who are just not maybe smart enough or maybe not empathetic enough to understand the dangers of sociopathy you know that's what it that's what we're fighting is we're not fighting politics we're not fighting people we're fighting sociopathy because we have to get rid of um, employers who um, don't know how to give a living wage. We're trying to get rid of systemic injustice so that uh, we can all sort of kumbaya, man, you know, and we'll never reach total kumbaya. But it's not about being weak. It's not about trying to promote being wimpy. I love action movies. I love shoot 'em ups. I love all that stuff. And, and so don't judge me as a liberal. Don't judge me as a empath. Judge me for, for my character. Just because, and that's what I told my friend, is um, just because I um, promote being sensitive and kind uh, doesn't mean that, you know, I'm some kind of wimp, you know. Uh, I told him, you know, I used to jump out of helicopters and airplanes, motherfucker, so... Come correct. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> come correct, and I'll come correct with you every single time. You know, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we have, you guys. Thank you so much. So yeah. So the next time somebody's messing with you, you know, teach them the science. Make them realize that this is a real thing, and that's what we're trying to do. Not only with being an empath. But also with the paranormal is that there's a science to this. Just because there's not enough money to go into the research to prove uh, a lot of these quote unquote invisible things doesn't mean that they're not there. You know, science is now understanding dark energy. It's an invisible force that we don't understand. And that's what explains why our uh, universe is ever expanding and why there's a fabric there and how we can use that knowledge to uh, better our technologies to perhaps one day traverse this universe so that we can make contact with alien life or inhabit a different planet or something, or perhaps find a wormhole, you know, like in, um, what's that movie? Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Interstellar. Interstellar, where we perhaps find another planet and we better get off it quick because time is half hour to them is 30 years on Earth, you know? Like, ooh, better watch out with that. But uh, that's what it's all about, you guys. It's about uh, the human condition. It's about discovery. It's about uh, being a good person. And yes, I talk trash, but you know, don't don't get offended, man. I'm not. 
I, you know, I don't mean anything by it. I would never, ever punch somebody in the face unless I was defending myself. So <laughs> it's just like talk trash, you know, you just get upset in the moment and it makes you feel attacked. My best friend has attacked me several times of my personal character. It's like, you don't know what my character is and it's none of your business what my job is and it's none of your business what I'm doing with my life. And if I'm a good person, I'm doing good things. Why on earth are you sitting there talking behind my back to your wife when you have no right? You know, you don't see me talking trash about you. I mean, you know, I could, but I don't want to because they're good people. You know, at the end of the day, it's about trying to accentuate the positivity in people. Yes, everybody's human. Everybody has flaws and faults. And that's why I forgave him. There's no animosity. I just wanted to use him as an example to say that when we open ourselves up, uh, we subject ourselves to attack. And sometimes we may not be in a position to want to have to defend that. So anyways, that's what we got, you guys. Thank you so very much for joining us on this uh, wonderful, uh, light and fun episode. I always love having you on the show, babe. Thank you so much for helping me with the show today. I think, uh, sadly, my wife gets uh, more fanfare than I do. (laughs) They love you, man. They love you, and I'm glad for that. I really am. Uh, Thank you guys so very much for joining us again on the show. Um, You know, just, you know, take life with a sense of humor. Take life with, with a grain of salt. If you're having mental health issues, seek help if you need to, but um, try. It's all about perspective. Change your perspective. If you have to go out into nature and ground yourself, do it, man. Um, if you're having anxiety, you know, go for a run like I do. Or if you're not into the fitness, you know, maybe read a book. Whatever works for you. Meditation, you know. Um, it's all about mindfulness. Stay mindful. Be yourself. Don't change for anybody. And please, you guys, don't chase people. Don't chase people. Don't be a people chaser. You might be a natural people pleaser. I think all all of us empaths are to an extent. But at the end of the day, don't chase people because um, it puts you in a position of weakness and that can make others um, exploit you. So just be careful with that. So that's what we have, you guys. Thank you so very much for joining us on another episode. You can always continue the conversation with us. If you have any questions or comments about the show or anything that we talk about, you can reach me at Chef Bry Comedy. That's B-R-Y. And you can reach Rebecca at Spooky Nerdy Gal. That's who you are. So thank you, guys. We'll have one more for you this week and uh we've got 25 episodes for this season we're chugging along nicely i can't believe we're already up in the almost into the teens man craziness it goes by so fast but anyways thank you so very much you don't have to be an empath to be a part of my empath tribe you just have to be a kind-hearted person that's all it's about we don't care if you're black or white or green we don't care if you're republican or democrat it's it just be a good person don't be a dick So anyways, thank you guys. We'll see you next time. And we love you. Thank you so very much for your support. Have a good day, you guys. Thanks. Bye.